for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. If you've got a Bible and you'd like to open it to Ephesians and chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. So we've, we've been going through a Trinitarian series. Um, it's interesting because it didn't start off that way. And then as we, we prayed and waited on God, that's how it fell out. And uh, so at, at Easter we were looking on encountering Jesus. And then last month we were looking on at encountering the Holy Spirit. And then this month, we're looking at encountering the Father. And Graham introduced the subject last week with the the fact that he is a father to the fatherless. That there's a world out there that needs Jesus Christ, and they need to find the Savior. They need uh, to come to that experience of God as their Father who is in heaven. So, Father of the fatherless. And that's part of what Summer Church is about, reaching out to people who don't yet know Father God. And our desire is that they should know him through Jesus Christ. And so it's all about presenting the gospel. This morning we're looking at encountering the Father's embrace, which is a big subject and a, a very intimate subject. But perhaps I can begin by just prefacing the fact that, prefacing it by the fact that in the world in which we live, fatherhood is being undermined. You don't have to be aware of too much of the news of what's going on, particularly in in Western countries. And there is an undermining of fatherhood, the knowledge of fatherhood and the experience of fatherhood. And some of that is creeping too into the church. Some would argue for uh, people want to balance things out. And you probably read articles just recently about those who want to call um, God the Father... God the Mother. So instead of praying our Father who is in heaven, we pray our Mother who is in heaven. So those who particularly uh, structure their services around liturgy, changing the liturgy to reflect uh, the motherhood of God and to counteract what is believed to be a too uh, paternalistic father orientation of scripture. Um, And that's sad. Uh, At one time, we used to think it was the the loony feminist. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Running treading on dangerous ground here, aren't I? <laughs> Who were out there saying things like that? In other words, and so in that respect, we go, oh, that's the feminists. They're, they're, they're bound to go down that route. But sadly, it's becoming more and more within the evangelical spectrum. And, and so, just to put that in perspective, the enemy knows who God is. The enemy knows that he created humanity in the image of God, male and female, he created them. The enemy knows that God chose to reveal himself as father to us and that he sent his son into the world to be our savior. So he knows that by attacking fatherhood, by attacking family, he can destroy something that relates very much to God and who he is, and his purposes in the earth. I think that we have to bear in mind, even if you change the language 
to our mother. The fact is that there are broken mothers around. There are good mothers and there are broken mothers, as well as there are good fathers and broken fathers. And I'll come on to that more in just a moment. But by changing that round doesn't solve, solve anything. And we'll unpack this a little bit more as we go along. So if you've got Ephesians open, Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons to himself through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace which he graciously bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight and making known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ which are in heaven and on earth. So Paul addresses the church at Ephesus, uh, giving them grace and peace, from God our Father. He then talks about God as Father. He then talks about his purpose in uh, adopting uh, sons to himself through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then if you go over to chapter 3 and verse 14, 314, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would give you according to the riches of his glory, power to be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Notice that. God wants us to be filled with his fullness. Tremendous Scripture that is. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That glory in the church will be displayed, will be manifested and displayed through our understanding of what it means to be his sons and daughters. People gathered out of every tongue and tribe and nation and united as one people in Christ and one family before God who are enjoying the Father's love and are displaying it to one another and are displaying it to the world. But fatherhood is a big issue uh, for us today. Or perhaps we should say the lack of it is a big issue or the distortion of it is a big issue. And we've got various pictures up there representing various degrees of, of fatherhood or the lack of it as may be the case. Now there are some who are performance oriented. Do well and you'll earn my love. If you, if you, if you can get those results at school, you'll, you'll know my love. But if not, woe betide. There are others who are, are passive. They are, they're there, 
they're around, but they're indifferent to, to, the, to the sons and the daughters. You, you, you can do what you want. You just get away. You work out life in your own way. Father doesn't really care. He's in the background. He's passive. And then there are others who are authoritarian. And those of you who've seen The Sound of Music will know this only too well. Because you've, there you've got the captain, who's the father, who, yes, he loves his family, but the only way he loves his family is by blowing a whistle and, and barking out orders and them all sort of standing to attention and, and, and moving when they are told to. And uh, so you've got that authoritarian kind of love, that authoritarian kind of relationship. Uh, but when it really comes to love, it's cold. It's not really there. Then sadly, there are those who... Uh, experience the abusive love of a father. That love that can be, well, it's not really love because abuse and love don't go together. But they've known fathers who've been abusive, whether it be verbal, whether it be emotional, whether it be sexual. There are others who have had occupied fathers. their, Their whole thing is about their work. They're busy about work. They're absorbed by their own interests. And The children just kind of get on with life in the background. They work out it as best as they can. You know, I think of that picture there with dad on the computer in the background and there's the little lad leaning over the the arm of the chair. He wants his father, but his father's there, but not there for him. Then you have those who are are critical, fault-finding. There's no sense of encouragement or affirmation whatsoever. It's always about, oh, you did that wrong, etc., And so some people have had the experience of of fathers who've just always found something wrong and they've found it very difficult to to live with them. And then, of course, there are are good fathers. And praise God for that. There are good fathers, people who have genuinely loved and trying to work out what it means to be a father the best according to their ability. Perhaps, though, it has something to do with your, your Christian background. For those of you perhaps who've been brought up in Christian homes and you've gone to church perhaps most of your life and maybe for some, it, it, your, the picture you have is God, of, of God as an angry God. And all you've ever heard about is the holiness of God, the justice of God, his anger at sin, his judgment of it. And so to you, God seems far away. He, he seems somebody to be feared, to be, uh, to be hiding from. And, and so there's no sense of desire to want to be close to God in any way. I, I remember a, a young lady coming to us on one occasion and um, this is in a Christian family. And she came to us and uh, she said, we're trying to work through some stuff with her. And, and she just said, you know, if I'm helping mum wash up and I drop something and it breaks, the response I get from my mum is, God will get you back for that. That's an awful thing to put upon a child. God will get you back for that. It makes you fearful of God. You don't want to come close to him. You don't know how to relate to him. It's impossible. On the other hand, perhaps you've been in a background which has overstressed the, or not over, in one sense you can't overstress it, but has stressed the magnificence of God, the, the, the transcendence of God, the glory of God, the power of God. 
And so you've, you've been aware of his rule, but you've not been so easy with how you relate to him. Both pictures leave us at a distance with God. And so you see the hand there reaching out for God. But God, you're, you're so big, you're so powerful, you're so almighty, you're so much other than I am. I, I just don't know how to connect with you. In some ways, that was my early Christian experience. When I heard people pray, they, they very often prayed with grand phrases, magnifying the, the greatness and the glory of God. And there's a place for that kind of thing. And, and I heard that. And so every prayer was kind of introduced in this way. And it's like the only way you could pray was, was just by these magnificent phrases, which are great and glorious in themselves, but they leave you feeling quite small. And then one day, uh, in my 20s, I went into a church and, and I heard a pastor pray. And all he did was simply say, Father... Father, and then went into his prayer and I thought, I don't know God like that. I know he's Father in a kind of way, but I don't know like God, like he's talking to him. I don't have that relationship. So the big danger is that we impose our knowledge and experience of, of fathers or we impose perhaps particular spheres, we overemphasize a particular area of teaching and we impose that on God and we just see God through our, the lens of our experience or the lens of a, an overemphasized teaching, an unbalanced teaching. Whatever our experience may have been though of God, of fathers, God both fulfills and redeems the category father. And that's what we need to understand when we come to look at the scriptures. Whatever that experience of ours may have been, with all its faults, with all its failings, God both fulfills and redeems the category Father. And if we don't get this, we will find it difficult relating to God in a personal way. If you have had a great earthly father... That father is just a glimpse of who Father God is. It's wonderful, isn't it? If you have had a flawed earthly father, then God is the father that you've always looked and longed for. Wow. So if your father was great, then he's just a glimpse of the true father, our father who is in heaven. If the earthly father is flawed, then God the father is the one that you've always looked and longed for. Jesus came and revealed the Father heart of God. In contrast to all our fallen or good fathers, Jesus said staggeringly, he said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, we're so used to that statement, it's probably lost on us, the power of it. But Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, Islam refuses to call God the Father, for that would bring him too close. The Jews, they knew God as creator. They knew him as the covenant maker. And they would refer to him as king and shepherd and rock and fortress. 
And yes, they referred to him as father approximately 12 times. But that was only ever in a formal sense. Not an intimate sense. And that's why it's then staggering to hear the words of Jesus when he said, he who's seen me has seen the Father. Because what Jesus is doing, when you step out of the Old Testament into the New Testament, Jesus, if you like, is blowing all previous conceptions about God out of the water. And he's revealing to us something about God that you don't, you see glimpses of in the Old Testament, but suddenly it just, well, it goes into multicolor in, in the New Testament. So he comes and he reveals the Father to us. And so we are familiar with the scripture, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. The fact that it says son there means that God is the father. And as you journey through the history, as you begin to unpack and look at the life and ministry and teaching of Jesus, you just see this unfolding concept that God has come to reveal who he truly is. So you've got it there at Jesus' birth. And then you think... A few years later, when Jesus is found in the temple as a boy, and he says, I I must be about my father's business. That sense that he knew who he was. He knew from whom he had come, and that God, the one they worshipped, was his father. It was staggering. They'd never heard anyone talk this intimately about God before. And then you come a bit further along in the story and you find Jesus going to John to be baptized. And he goes down into the waters and as he comes up out of those waters, suddenly there is a voice from heaven. And the words are uttered, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Wow. We need to just stop and think about the staggering nature of what is going on here. Here is someone that they, in their minds, had, had grow, been born in Bethlehem, grown up in Nazareth, and yeah, was the carpenter's son, and, and suddenly all of this is beginning to take place. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And then you begin to work through something of the life and the ministry of Jesus. And you go over into to Matthew's Gospel. And you find Matthew, uh, Jesus there in Matthew's Gospel teaching on the mount. And there in front of him are thousands of people. It's a great crowd. And he's going to blow away their conceptions or expand them, enlarge them. And as you go through that particular unpacking, you find suddenly, he's saying, when you pray, say, our Father, who is in heaven. 
And if you were to look through that section of, of Matthew 5, 6 and 7, you'll find that he refers to Father something like 14 times. That's staggering. God has only ever been referred to in very official terms as Father. And suddenly now he's, he's unpacking God in a very intimate way. Suddenly, we begin to get a glimpse, too, into the inter-Trinitarian life of God. You see, part of the problem for the Muslims is that they see God as a singular being. You can't have love in that kind of situation. It doesn't exist there. Love must be given and received to be there. And the beauty of knowing that God is love is that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and has been from all eternity and will be to all eternity. And suddenly Jesus comes and he walks planet Earth and he begins to unpack to them, those who are listening, something of the dynamic of this relationship that has existed in the Trinity for all eternity is now being revealed on Earth. And it's just staggering. And the interesting thing, as he does so, and we, we need to hear this loud and clear, is that he gives to his disciples, in his relationship with the Father, exactly the same privilege that he had. I don't know whether that really hits you, but that is powerful that as he begins to unpack his relationship with the Father and he begins to teach them that this God whom they believe in, who is from everlasting to everlasting, the creator and sustainer of all things, this God who has sent Jesus into the world, that the relationship he has is exactly the same relationship they can have. The same privileges. And that is kind of staggering. It blows your mind. And so throughout Jesus' life, his, his teaching, his ministry, he reveals the love of God. He reveals the closeness of God. He reveals the, the intimacy of this relationship. If you go over into to John's Gospel, and you look at John's Gospel, chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17, and you begin to mark every reference there to Father, there are approximately 50 references. I was like, whoa! If you're not one of those people who marks your Bibles, who like to keep, likes to keep it in a pristine condition, can I give you a word of advice? Forget it. Forget it! You know, I love seeing Bibles that are tattered. I love seeing Bibles that are underlined. I used to be one of those guys, I try and keep my Bible looking brand new, you know, fresh from the shop, you know, and very carefully sort of manage it and carry it around and, and, and that kind of thing. No, no. There's something about a well-worn Bible. There's something about marking your Bible. And can I encourage you to do that? Look at the Sermon on the Mount. Underline, Father, Father. Father, 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 Father. And you'll do it about 14 times. Then go to John's Gospel. 
and go through chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17 and mark every reference to Father. There are about 50 of them. Talk about trying to get a message home. You couldn't get it more clear, could you? But the problem for us is we get familiar with Scripture. We just read on. Mark your Bible. Underline those references. Let it speak to you about what Jesus was trying to say about Father God. In the garden, we find him praying. We find him on his knees before the Father. We find him in agony. And what does he pray? Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Again, we get a glimpse into this Trinitarian relationship, this relationship that the Father has with the Son and the Son has with the Father. He's on his knees. Abba, Father. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but your will be done. So we we get glimpses. Well, we get more than glimpses. We get a whole stack of verses that are loaded with the revelation that God is Father. And he wants to be our Father. He wants to be your Father and my Father. And whatever our experiences of Father, he wants to fulfill, he wants to redeem and fulfill them so that we really know this wonderful relationship that he wants to give to us. In John chapter 14, it talks about Jesus just talking like this, and he says, "Um, and we want to come and make our home with you. You know? Can you, I can't think of something really more intimate than saying, would you come and live with me? I want to come and live with you. You know? (laughs) And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, we want to come and live with you. That there's something about that. There's an intimacy that we need to grasp hold of. God doesn't want to just be out there as a great, magnificent creator that he is. He wants to be in here as a loving father who loves us like no earthly father could ever have done. However good. And so you go through scripture and it's everywhere, it's loaded. I got my Bible just over the weekend and I thought, okay, I'm going to peruse this. I'm going to follow this through just a little bit further and see where it goes. And just about every letter begins with the acknowledgement of Father. Grace and peace from God, the Father, or our Father. Right there, right up front. That reminder for every one of us that, yeah, we've been saved, but we've been brought into a family. And this God, this God is our Father. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So I would encourage you in your own time to to go through and and make those kind of researches and studies. Check it out for yourself. It's wonderful. In Galatians 4, verses 6 and 7, it says this, Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, and that Spirit, when Jesus was here, Enable Jesus to say, Abba, Father. Hear it? God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying the same thing. Abba, Father. 
So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God. Wow. Wow. The power in that. So he sent his spirit into our hearts. And so we can cry, Abba, Father. Father is kind of an intellectual understanding. We don't want to overplay those words because there is a bit of a crossover between them. But Father implies a, a knowledge, an understanding of who God is as Father. Abba has a tendency to relate to the intimacy of this experience of God as our Father. Absolutely wonderful. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 18, God says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. Isn't that that wonderful? Just beautiful. Now if you come with me to to Romans and chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and uh, we read these words. In verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you've not received the spirit of slavery again to fear. We had this a bit earlier, didn't we? You've not received the spirit of slavery again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Perhaps we might say, Daddy, Father. Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Staggering, that is. We are co-heirs with Christ. Think about that for a minute. Co-heirs with the second person of the Trinity. (laughs) It kind of blows my mind. I want to think about that. I want to absorb that. I want to take that in. So we are sons of God. We've not received the spirit of slavery again to fear. You know, if the enemy can't stop someone being a Christian, one of the next things he will try and do is rob them of their assurance. Another thing he might try and do is say that some are more special than others can have a closer relationship with God than others. So if he can't stop us being saved, he will try and stop us getting close, enjoying intimacy with the Father. If he can't stop us getting saved, he will somehow drop into our hearts and minds that somehow uh, this, this, this God who is Father is a bit like our earthly fathers and, uh, and perhaps he's a bit rigid, perhaps he's uh, you know, a bit performance-orientated and, and so we have to perform up to him in order to be sure of his continuing love. The enemy will come in all sorts of ways to try and bring us into slavery, into a place of fear, into a place of restriction and confinement in our walk with God. And I just just believe this morning God wants to, to break any sense of slavery that exists with anyone this morning. With anybody. 
whether you're reading out of your past experience of bad fathering onto God, the truth will set you free. And it's about the, the truth about who God really is. Jesus came to redeem and fulfill the category Father. To fill it up with what it was meant to be. So that we could know him in that wonderful way. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, Behold or see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. I love to stop and think about very practical situations that can be images of this. So here is this Father who loves us, who fulfills the category and redeems the category fatherhood in a way which is beyond description and which we will always be exploring for the rest of our lives until we get to meet him. I think of children. Children who... I can remember just loving to be with Father. Being gathered on the knee, you know. Stories being told. Wisdom being imparted. I think of coming home from work and the children have been at school all day. They, they've had a chance to see mum and they've enjoyed mum. And, and, and suddenly father's coming home. And they come running to the door. Daddy! And they jump at, at you or else they play games and go and hide somewhere and all of that kind of thing. You know, all of that is something to do with image of God. Isn't it? Sometimes we get really, there's a place to be serious about Christianity. There is. But there's a place to be relaxed. There is. And enjoy the Father's presence. To enjoy the Father's delight. To just know him just loving on us. And cherishing us. And speaking to us. You see, we live in a world which is full of performance. There are many work, work roles these days. You know, there, there are categories you've got to fulfill. Speak to different ones in different spheres of service and, and you just find that, you know, performance tables are everywhere, aren't they? If you perform, you're thought, you're thought well of. And we can get like that in our Christian lives. Yeah, there's a place for witnessing. But when we, it becomes something we, we hit ourselves with, I have witnessed to ten people this week, you know? We're losing something. We're losing sight of something. You know, even our prayer and times in the Word, we need to be careful that they aren't just duties we're fulfilling. Rather than, you know, just being a delight to be with the Father. Just being with Him. Oh yeah, there's a time to pray. There's a time to make our requests known. There's time to just enjoy Him and know Him for who He is.
Why don't we stand? Maybe the musicians would like to just come back. Holy Spirit, we, we welcome your presence.